everybody and welcome to the very 144th Shut Up and Sit Down podcast and this is a podcast about board games and I'm Quentin Smith and this is a very, very special episode because for the very first time <laughs> Shut Up and Sit Down is in the same house and this is the closest we've ever been. Sat opposite me is Tom Brewster. Hello, I'm Tom Brewster. And Ava Foxfort. Hi, I'm remarkably close to Tom Brewster. We're all sitting, <laughs> not, so we realised just before we started recording that this is not only the first time we've all been in the same room, it's actually the first time you two have met in person. It's madness. Right now, recording this podcast is the closest the three of us have ever been. So far. So far. Well, we're <laughs> only going to get closer. Aww. It's uh, emotionally. Uh, physically. Uh, that's sweet and disturbing at the same time. <laughs> this is, however, just your perfectly normal board game podcast. We're recording it live from uh, a house in Oxford. Why are we in Oxford? Chose it basically at random because after a year of COVID, we just had to meet up and play some games. So we've been playing dozens and dozens and dozens of things. It's slightly exhausting. Uh, yeah. But you, dear listener, are going to be enjoying the fruits of our uh, uh, gaming. You, you cannot say labour in this thing. <laughs> We've spent a week toiling away in the game mines, playing all kinds of things and giving it to you. You know what? people at home. You're completely right. It's not labour. It's been a blast. And we're talking about three particularly uh, hot games on this podcast. We're going to be talking about Royal Visit, a card game about trying to make the king visit you, failing... And that's, that is actually literally... It's a very the, indecisive king. It's the entire game, isn't it? That's all you could say. We're going to be talking about Tinner's Trail, a Martin Wallace game about uh, trying to not get ripped off by your friends and sell copper at a high price. And keep your head above water. I didn't. Physically and metaphorically. Yes, yes. Very good. Because <laughs> you can you can run out of money in that game, which is very exciting. Yes. Um, and we're finally going to be talking about Mississippi Queen, a game about, well, for Tom and I, a game about piloting a, a, a paddle boat down the Mississippi River. For you, Ava, a game about crashing a, a paddle boat on the Mississippi River. I uh, only regret Tom's choices in that game. <laughs> we'll get into this later. We'll get into this later. Perfect. So, as soon as I arrived and settled into this uh, lovely, strange little house, um, I started playing Royal Visit, a Reiner Knizia game that's just been recently republished by Yellow after previously being published as Times Square and previously, previously <laughs> being published as Auf der Reeperbahn nachts um halb zwei. Wow. What does that translate to? Um, on the Reaperbahn, I don't know what the Reaperbahn no, is. No, neither do I. I think it's like a red light district. Street. Oh, I thought I thought you were both being feigning innocence. The Reaperbahn is a is an erotic district. Ooh. Erotic district. At, uh, I, well, it's helps why, but Ger German's weird, and that means half two three. Half, no, half two two. Half than two. Half past so two. Half one. So half one. We half one. Alpine. That's not as late. That's not as Alpine. late as I'd want it to be. Royal visit. <laughs> well, hang on. Before we even get to royal visit, I would like to to preempt our audience with the theme of this game by explaining what happens in Times Square. So we're not okay. going to get into the sordidness of along the Reaper Bar. Get that sort of But uh, Times Square is a game that features. These are the characters that you're moving. So in in royal visit, you're moving a king, guards, jesters, a wizard. In Times Square, I want to say all of these names. You are moving Cha uh, Champagne Charlie, Saucy Sue, uh, Dancing Deb. Uh, handsome Hal. 
Um, and for some reason, they've rethemed this in medieval times. Why? As opposed to Why weird individuals I mean, running around Times Square. Maybe it's specifically to avoid what you started doing, which is saying Champagne Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't quite translate. Champagne Charlie, isn't champagne it? Champagne Charlie. Correct, champagne Charlie. So, sorry, I've had my fun. Ava, please, uh, tell the people at home how to play Royal Visit. Royal Visit is a fairly simple game that is a little... Oh, it's really gorgeous in this edition. There is this cloth unrolling map that is basically a line that goes between you and your opponent. It's for two players only. You start the game with all of these people hanging out in the middle of this place. And your half of it is your duchy and you've got a little castle. At a the chateau. Very oh, sorry. <laughs> you've got a duchy and you've got a chateau. For, for Champagne Charlie. For Champagne Charlie. Um, so yeah, so you've got, you, you, your half of the board has a kind of bit that's you, your castle and your home and where you're trying to actually get people to and where you win the game if you can get the king or the crown. Um, and then on the other side, your opponent's got exactly the same thing with this big space of duchy and a little fountain in the middle that's absolutely no one's. And the game is as simple as looking at a hand of eight or nine cards, putting them down, you can put any, play any number of cards of the same character that lets you move the matching character towards you or away from you in a world that was slightly fiddly. <laughs> um, the, however, all of these people have their own different rules. So the, the heart of the game is the king and his court. So the king is the king and there are two guards um, of the court. And both of these guards have to stay. The king can only go in between the guards. Like the, guard, the king always has to be safe, always has to be protected by these guards which means that in order to move the king, you need to move guards first. Um, there's a wizard who, <laughs> can, who can move any other character to where the wizard is, which is great, but it still has to obey the rules of the king. So you would have to move the wizard, you'd have to move a guard, and then you've got to move a wizard, and then you've got to move the king to the wizard, and then maybe you've got uh, a move going on, and that's nice. Um, and there is a jester who, as well as being able to move of their own volition, if you get them onto your side, onto your duchy, you can use their cards to move any character that you like, although it still only has to be one type of character, one character, so either the guards or the thing. That, and that, that's it. Like, at the end of your turn, if you've got a, anybody into your castle, anyone's hanging out of your castle, you move the crown a little bit closer to you. Um, if you've got the king and all of his court, on your side of the board, so just within your duchy, you move the crown closer to you. If the crown or the king ever gets to your castle, you win. So it's kind of like a tug of war, but with five ropes at the same time, yeah. and then also a sub rope that some <laughs> of the ropes will tug on automatically if those ropes are on your side of the board. Yeah, yeah. There's a, an extensive pulley system around the yep, king exactly. and the guards that lets you like you can pull that rope, but only if you've also pulled this rope. And <laughs> and that's that's all it is. It's actually like weirdly, it's similar to like one half of the game uh, Watergate. Yeah. Um, which has you filling in conspiracies to pull things, pull evidence closer towards you. Mm -hmm. And so it's this multiple tug of war at the same time thing. But this is just a significantly simpler game. Really quick, really simple. And the, and the new edition from Yellow is gorgeous. It's you're hearing, probably, dear listener, the words king and guards and court, and you're imagining something rubbish. Get those thoughts out of your head. Because <laughs> it's lovely. It's mostly purple. 
Yeah, uh, it's, it's got, purpley. It's got like like borderline, like not quite cubist, but in the direction of that kind of like mm. kind of like slightly having fun with two dimensional pieces. Even yeah. though the actual characters you're moving, the king and the court and the jester and the wizard, are three dimensional wooden blocks. Yeah, yeah, lovely chunky wooden blocks. Boom. Also, it's not just good looking, it's just good. It's just plain good. I was thinking when we were playing this about Matt's observation about games like uh, Cairn and things that you would like to have, things that you would maybe find in in some fancy house that you could just crack out and play a few games or have that traditional kind of appeal. And obviously, this is an old game. It was first printed in, what was that, 2006? And it's now being brought back out and it still feels very classic and snippy and light and yeah, fun. Yeah, it's got a classic card game feel because something we haven't mentioned is that when you move characters, you actually play sets of cards. So from your hand of eight, if you happen to have four guard cards, you can play all four at the same time to move the guards. So it's a, it, the, the real core question of Royal Visit is, okay, I might, have, I might have the ability to move the wizard a lot, and if you kind of maximise your turn by playing whatever card you have the most of, theoretically you're moving overall all the characters more than your opponent. However, you also have to balance that with considerations like in my first game against you, Ava. Uh, what, I just let you have the wizard on your side and the wizard just started teleporting people? So, yeah, it's combination hand management while also remembering the weird discrete rules of these five characters. Yeah. And there's some great points where you can really snooker someone as well. Like in the game that I played with Matt, we had a very similar situation where Matt built a board state that I literally couldn't claw myself out of <laughs> for the rest of the game. And I was moving the king just one step towards me and he would go, no, no, no. I have the wizard. He's coming back here. That's what Ava did. It's annoying. <laughs> maybe we're just maybe we're just bad at royal visit. We do need to play it more, and I would play it more because it's just. I mean, it's it's Moorish. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah. It's two player only, so it's super speedy yeah. and nippy. You play, but it, it's nice. It's just this thing of like you want to move the king. Like that's 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 mm. the thing. You win the game by moving the king. But in order to move the king, you need to move the guards. <laughs> so you move the guards, but then. Actually, the better way to move everything, the king and the guards, is to move the wizard. Or the jester. <laughs> well, yeah, the wizard who pulls things towards you, or the jester on your side. So you want everything, and it's kind of like about creating these little chains of things that you're mm. going to pull on. So in that metaphor of the, like, five different, six different uh, ropes tugs that you're pulling, tugs of war, yeah. like, what it is is about looking at those ropes and knowing, right, each of us can only pull these ropes one at a time. So I'm going to go bump, 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 bump. Mm-hmm. But you're going bum, 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 in a different order. <laughs> you can't see my hands. Yeah. Twins and Tom can. The audience at home can't see what I'm doing with my hands. Trust it was a beautiful gesture. It was a real <laughs> display. An incredibly complicated tug of war that was quite satisfying. And yet, like so many of the best uh, Reiner Knizia games, it's like super smart, but also there's just so much luck. Like, and that's fine. Like, because at the end of your turn, you play a bunch of cards. Then what do you draw? Maybe you really need that wizard. You didn't draw the wizard, and that's yeah, 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 that's yeah. fine because it's fast. Yeah, this it is... mitigates against luck by being able to play it yes, four times, as opposed to you know. what in Watergate. Does it mitigate against like you go, you go through the whole deck? You go again in Watergate. You just swap sides and go again. Watergate is very fast, and I would say that there there's a comparison there with the tug of war, but ultimately they're quite different oh, games yeah, yeah, because yeah. Watergate's a very asymmetrical game. Mm. Royal Visit is completely symmetrical unless you want to call it asymmetrical based on what cards you draw no, but that no, seems no 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 abort abort <laughs> but I think that there's you know and I'm going to compare another game I keep comparing games to Quarto stop <laughs> okay well, hang on we were not planning to talk about this but now you need to spend I want to spiral quickly in to just very briefly talk about Quarto which you, is effectively a memory game you have to fully explain oh, I have now. to fully explain yeah. Quarto 
You know what? This might be like at the end of the Oath podcast where Ava went, it's kind of like Texas Hold'em poker, but let's ignore that. And someone can quiz me about that in the future and go, Tom, how on earth is Royal Visit like awesome? <laughs> the com- point of comparison, which is shared between both games, is I think that Royal Visit has this memory aspect where there's enough things that you can do with the individual pieces and with some of the oh, cards sure. where you can often look at a board state and the important thing is trying to... If you forget that there's a certain card in the deck that does a certain thing, because there's a special king card that moves the whole court, you've got two of them. If you forget that, and then someone has that opportunity to take it, it can, you know, skew your whole game a little bit. So yeah. there's a little bit of memory. But it's not like Quarto at all. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. Just just push that from your mind. If you would like to Google exactly how wrong Tom is, Quarto is spelled Q-U-A-R-T-0. <laughs> um, I think Royal Visit is... So Tom and I are currently amassing games to do a repeat of um, a feature we did in... 2020, which is top five new card games. Mm-hmm. You and I are collecting games for that now because mm. we can tease. We're looking at Oanami. We're mm. looking, which I'm not going to even tell people how to spell that because I, I can't spell it myself. <laughs> we're looking at Oriflam. We're looking, and now we're looking at Royal Visit. I think the short, the the long list could be it's, quite it's competitive. Pretty good, yeah. yeah. Herbaceous. No, well, uh, <laughs> I, 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 let's not get into herbaceous. Again. I love it. We talked about it a few podcasts ago. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm with Ava on this one. Why don't we move on to our next <laughs> game? Uh, let's move on to another game we've played, uh, Tinner's Trail. Ooh, Tinner's Delight. I, yeah, I, the running joke on this trip has been replacing various words in board game titles with the name Delight. For example, Mississippi Delight, Royal Delight. Uh, and lastly... Delight's Trail. <laughs> so, Tinder's Trail um, is a Martin Wallace game. Martin Wallace, you might most famously know from uh, Brass, uh, and which was used at the foundation for Brass Birmingham, maybe one of Shut Up and Sit Down's favourite Euro games of all time. Martin Wallace also made uh, the best official Discworld board game. It's now out of print and you can't buy. I'm sorry. Um, Tinder's Trail, however, is a game from 2008 that has been brought back in a lush new edition in 2021 by Alley Cat Games. And it's good. It's good, and I think it's interesting, and I think it's going to be for some people listening to this podcast, and not just the ones of you who are really into uh, traditional Cornish tin mining. <laughs> so I came for the tin mining. I was pretty excited by the tin mining because if anyone's been watching Poldark on Netflix, <laughs> Poldark, uh, the character Poldark in the TV series Poldark is both super hot, mm-hmm. and you see him scything with his top off in Poldark. Also, Ooh. also, he owns a mine. In oh. Cornwall, which is where Tinner's Trailer set. So if you like Poldark, there's now basically an official Poldark game. I can't believe they didn't just call it Poldark the board game. Poldark's Delight. There's your title. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tinner's Trail actually has some DNA in common with Brass, and I find a lot of it really interesting. Um, so Tinner's Trail, uh, you've got Cornwall, which is the southwesternmost tip of England. Um, and it's set in the time of Brass, where at the beginning of Tinner's Trail, you have access to boats, and by the end, you have access to trains. So that same period in the Industrial Revolution. Tinner's Trail is then, the board is carved up into all these little packages of land, which you can set up mines on. Um, now, some of these these lands have tiles on the flip face up that show how much tin and copper, and most importantly, water. Oh. Mm, the bad, wet stuff is in <laughs> under the ground there. But most of them are face down. That becomes hilarious if you're as lucky as I was. Um, so what the, your, probably your first action in Tinder's Trail will be someone picks one of these packages of land, face up or face down, to auction off as who wants to build a mine here. Then it becomes an open auction uh, and players will then pay money. If it was a face down tile, you'll see what your mine was. Ooh, amazing, you've hit the mother load. Or ooh, it's full of water, you've broke. Um, and then 
Uh, players have to... Ooh, goodness, this is where it starts getting tricky to explain. Players have to try and balance when and how to take metal out of the ground. So the simple mechanic is, by taking metals out of the ground, you can take two cubes, it'd be the tin or copper, the price of which fluctuate wildly. In taking two cubes out, you're always going to add one water cube. The cost to remove cubes from a mine is every cube you remove costs one dollar for every cube of water. So then players are asking themselves, well, before I start taking metal out, which is potentially going to be very expensive and very wet, you can improve that mine. You can add things like miners. You can add boats. You can uh, dig tunnels to sluice the water out and also discover more metal in the process. Um, but you're against the clock because you only have 10 vague action points in a round. And at the end of that, you're going to sell all the metal you've got. And then you have the option to invest. And this is a weird and foxy mechanic that I really liked. Basically, at, at the end of each of Tinner's Trail's four rounds, you, uh, have the, you, got, you are asked, how much money do you want to convert into victory points? So you have to strike that balance of, well, oh, and also, uh, the money is worth more points the earlier you convert it in the game. So it's the question of, well, I could just cash in basically all of my money and go into the second round broke, or I could save my money and try and win more auctions. Uh, and that's kind of the basics of Tinner's Trail. Um, also, I, however, will mention, I was desperate to play with an expansion for this that Alley Cat Games <laughs> published, known as the Arsenic Expansion, which adds arsenic, which was discovered locally in Cornish Tin Mines. And that has this amazing thing where you can dig arsenic, but it permanently reduces your action points as the women and children of your Cornish mining industry get real sick. Board games! Board games! Um, what did you two think of Tinner's Trail, which... I won. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's what I think about Tinner's Trail. No, I I enjoyed going into it. I was really excited. It's got this gorgeous, gorgeous board, and that trade-off of how much do you want to pull out of a mine? When do you want to do it? How much water are you going to splash around in? Also, the way the board gradually becomes this wasteland of just waterlogged mines <laughs> with nothing in them anymore is is kind of joyous. Some really nice contiguous stuff there where trains and tunnels um, benefit you if you can win auctions for mines that are adjacent, mm -hmm. which I really liked. Yeah, and there's and there's lovely stuff in there where because everything costs we had Ava and I both had this same phenomenon where because everything costs time during the round you're always kind of trying to make sure that you're using it wisely right but then winning an auction you get so caught up in wanting to win an auction that you forget that it only costs the person that wins time yeah. so round after round after round we would win an auction and go oh yes I've got that mine flip it over full of water no <laughs> tin no copper brilliant and then you go oh well at least it's Oh, it costs time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least it's still my turn next. Oh no, it's not my turn next anymore. It's my turn in like three or four people's turns. Yes. Now, yeah. This is the worst thing that could possibly happen. Now, obviously, that was hilarious when it happened to YouTube. But it was also one of my favourite parts of the game because it meant that if I wanted to acquire things from the shop of trains and boats and whatnot, I could start auctions for areas that I thought you two wanted that I didn't want to take time away from yeah, you so I could yeah. hoover stuff from the shop, which I, which yeah. I found fun. But obviously it's, it's a first game. We all made mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And being at the right time and deciding, like, like there's very limited. The workers, the trains, the river, the boats and the addits, which is the fancy name. Addits, yeah. Special name for yeah, the tunnel. Nice one. It's so limited. There's only, there's, there's like one tunnel around and one or two <laughs> boats and two or three workers. So there's so little stuff. And there's these pumps that can take water out and everybody forgets about them oh, until, yeah, yeah. until someone takes them. It's like, 
Oh, oh my no. lord, why didn't I do that? Because there's an action that can remove three water from the game. Yeah. Except the second time that someone does it, it does it two. And the, yeah. the fourth time, it does it one. Once, and then, yeah. And then it's not left there anymore for that round. And so all of these limited things means that you can, like... You can just bide your time quite well. And I that my, my original plan was to do that and I ended up accidentally <laughs> buying mines that not only I shouldn't have, but that I overpaid for and mm. they turned out to be absolute rubbish. We should yeah, and you were completely right to be annoyed because there is a lot of luck in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is it, it, the thing that I would warn people of is like there is a huge amount of the feeling like you might pay double what you should have for something that's worth a quarter what you thought it was mm. um, and you know you should know that you're taking that gamble the first game I don't think we realised <laughs> until the first time I did it quite how bad some of the mines could be but you have to be careful with that sort of stuff and it can feel particularly on a first game I was I mean I was in a bit of a I was pretty tired and the uh my brain was slowly stopping to work because of the heat, um, <laughs> which meant that I kind of had a kind of like, oh, I'm going to try and squeak out as much as I can of this, but I keep making really, really silly mistakes and they keep on punishing me more than I was expecting them to. Like, it's not just a mistake that you make that is like, oh, that's gone wrong. But it was like, oh, it probably would have been a mistake if it had been a good mine. But with it being a terrible mine, <laughs> oh no. It's definitely a game from 2008, even though they've spruced it up in this gorgeous new edition mm. in that it, you do have to work very hard and there's luck and the differences between your scores will be massive. Yeah. yeah. And there's it's, there's definitely something very disheartening about the fact that, Quinns, you managed to invest a huge amount of money in the first round and then having that massive score buffer hanging over you for the rest of the game yep. when yep. you know that you're going to get fewer and fewer points that goes on is really like... Around the second round, when I got the same as you uh, on that round for points or, or similar enough to it, I was like, well, like, should I bother playing rounds three and four? Because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, as long as you can crank out a stable thing, having that huge wedge of points at the start is going to do you... Um, it's, 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 it's disheartening for everyone else around the table, yeah. is yeah. I guess the core of it. I think it just it's just the sort of game that needs to be about half an hour or a round shorter I to kind of the justify. same feeling, yeah. A Euro game with luck, I actually do really like. I think that's mm. a kind of underexplored uh, uh, thing. But the fact that this is a four round, like two hour Euro game with the, with a fair bit of luck is is questionable. One thing I do want to say to the, to maybe explain not just because I won and got lucky, which was amazing and I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> but one of the things I really like about Tinner's Trail is that I found that whenever every time it was my turn, I was excited. Like so many mm. Euro games, it's like, well, I need to get resources this round, or I need to put a dice there, or whatever. Tinner's Trail, everything you do with either start an auction, which is exciting. Or place a wooden piece on the board, which is exciting because you're building this beautiful... We haven't mentioned this yet. This game has little three-dimensional tunnels and trains yeah, and little yeah. wooden miners. Like, And also, oh, hey, for all of our criticism, it's £35. Yes. This game it's, is cheap. It's £35 grand, and it's the busiest Eurogame board you will ever see mm. while still being incredibly clear and easy to read. Mm. Like, there's just such huge piles of stuff if you look at little narrow, narrow isthmus yes. of Cornwall. Yes, if you look like... at screenshots of Tennis Trail, it looks bonkers. But actually, the teacher's pretty easy. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and yeah if, it was, if it's just a bit shorter. But yes, to finish my point, just that either you're starting an auction or you're putting wooden pieces on this board or you're taking them off, all three of those feel great. Yeah. Hey, or you're selling a Cornish pasty. Oh, which we never did. <laughs> no one did. No one had to sell the Cornish no. pasty. It gets you one pound. Oh, hey, 
to, my, this podcast is most listened to Americans, listened to by Americans. Should we explain Cornish pasties? It's the calzone of Cornwall. It is. Uh, it was a, a wooden... A wooden. Uh, <laughs> it's sorry. this thing that British people eat. It's like a log that we hollow out and we <laughs> fill with mints. I mean, but that's kind of what it was, right? Because it was a hard pastry shell <laughs> yes. baked by Cornish wise, given to Cornish miners hundreds of years ago. But the, the, the pastry was just the container and you weren't supposed to eat it because it got covered in soot, like, immediately. <laughs> um, but oh, so they were like beef pouches. Yes. Like like a, like a sort of juice, th- juice box of beef. I thought it was kind just of. like the, the, the big... There's a big foldy braid around one side mm. of it and it's that bit that you're not supposed to eat. Oh, because so you you've, got a, you've got a handle... Right, because you've got city hands. So you hands. do eat some of the pastry. Oh, good. You do eat the... the but you don't eat the, 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 the semicircular... Yeah. of I re- protection. I love Cornish pasties. Really also, back in the day, um, the it's, this isn't popular now, but Cornish pasties, uh, some miners would take sweet ones. Like, you'd have a, a, a savoury <laughs> and dessert pasty uh, into the oh, mine. And never the twain back. shall meet. No, bring, we should bring back dessert pasties. I'm well up for that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I am too. So that's Tinner's Trail. Uh, we should. So I think that if you're into Poldark, Cornish mining, or you just want... A, I mean, I liked it more than you two. I think that's definitely fair to say. Um, <laughs> but I think at a, a 35 quid for a gorgeous game that is pretty solid, even if it's not perfect. It's definitely solid. And if you go in knowing you're expecting an auction game with an amount of luck that's also got a load of the, all of that Euro, if you know that you're going in for that and that's what you're getting out of it, Mm-hmm. it's great and also if like say Brass or Brass Birmingham is your favourite game this does have a fair bit of the DNA in terms of its theme and also auctions and trying to take land that is a variable quality based on there's, there's, there's no auctions, auctions in Brass Birmingham no oh no wait what did I mean by uh, my brain oh, debt no. there's no debt in I don't like recording this in person when I make a mistake and you two just look <laughs> at me <laughs> that's not fun we can't remove this in the podcast no. oh god Tom it's, it's like Brass it's, if you like industrial engineering if you like and making horrible mistakes you like making horrible mistakes oh we didn't mention Um, that's but you want just a little bit uh, a a quicker game with more spicy luck nonsense yeah that's a good way of putting it that's it it, right more spicy luck nonsense get Tinner's Delight the question is uh, yeah so it's available for 35 quid and also there is a deluxe version which has a couple of little expansions uh, but I would say that if you don't have Brass Birmingham get Brass Birmingham oh good no absolutely much better game brief shout out here I want to say that Alicat Games is putting out some really good stuff and I feel bad we haven't like given them a proper review yet but they keep making games that I really like even and I'm just short of doing a review so welcome to Dino World there was Dice Hospital coming back as Dice Theme Park and now Tinner's Trail. Uh, Alicat Games, if you're listening, keep it up because you're doing really well. And goodness me, I it's it's I want, I want to review one of their games because they all look really good. And I like their design ethos. They're doing well. Uh, Tom, should we round this off by talking about... Let's M-I- go S-S-I-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-P-
Um, this is published by Keep Sorry. Exploring Games, first in 1997, and now in 2019, in a lovely new physical tactile edition. Mm. Uh, in this game, you are playing as boats. <laughs> I, wait, maybe we're not even playing as the captains of the boats, we're just we playing the as the themselves. boats themselves. Racing down the Mississippi, trying to deliver passengers to a dock. Now that sounds very dry, so the way that Quinn's taught it was we woke up in the morning as captain to these Mississippi boats and went, Oh God, I'm so hungover. I've got to deliver all these passengers. Oh, I don't remember the river at all. <laughs> so you all leave the dock and you have your little boats and you're going to race them around this track that appears as you go. It renders in real You've time. You've completely forgotten what the Mississippi... Which is actually weird because I think the Mississippi is mostly famous for being super wide and super straight. Super wide, <laughs> super straight and it's been mapped out very clearly for quite a long time. Whereas in this game it's like you're slaloming down. It's, it's bonkers. We had an almost circular Mississippi yeah. by the end of this one. <laughs> mm. But essentially the way that this game works is we played it as a team game. So Ava and I were on a team versus Matt and Quinns. And you have these boats and you're going to be moving them along this track. It's got hexes that you move through. And you will always get one free speed increase and one free rotation. Well, speed change. Speed change. Very important. Uh, you will move up to your speed on your turn and you can turn a little bit each time. And you can spend coal to further increase your speed or further increase your turning. Um, the important thing is you only do these in increments of one. So often you could be going really, really fast and suddenly go, oh no, I need to break very, very suddenly. <laughs> but along the way, so you're going around this uh, this river and you're trying to increase your speed and take the, the right route through these islands as they sort of render in real time in front of you. But the important thing is before the end of the race, you have to pick up a couple of passengers from these docks. And the way that works is you have to make sure that you slow down just enough to turn up, let someone on, and then accelerate and move over again. That's almost the whole game. Oh, we should talk about the boat, the well, other boat. There's a few different expansions. So the new version of Mississippi Queen comes with the Black Rose expansion, which is a black ship that can be controlled by whoever's in last place, mm -hmm. which means that you can, if you're going parallel with it at the same speed, you can get coal off it. Mm -hmm. uh, it can push you. It can also just <laughs> go really fast and drive into the way of other people. Um, we there's also advanced modules that we play with that add things like driftwood, sandbars, and oh, also this is this is maybe my favourite thing because I'm boring. Um, there's in the normal game there is like about fifty percent more passengers to collect on the journey than there are players who need passengers. So if between a four player game we needed eight passengers to cross the finish line, there would be twelve. But as you swap in the advanced boards, that can be less. Mm. So then it's a question of like if it. Each of these passengers represents a kind of pit stop style decision in a race of, am I going to slow all the way down to pick this person up? Which is made more interesting because if you do, other people can't get that passenger. It sort of gives the player in first the opportunity to create the pit stops along the way. Like mm. make... they like forcing they, other people into other places. Exactly, they're yeah, controlling yeah. the tempo of who needs to stop where to some extent. And you can kind of, as a team, so Ava and I jetted off early on and collected <laughs> all the passengers leaving the stragglers for Matt and Quinn's. However, we should talk about a very important rub in this game, which is that you have six coal to start with, and that coal can be spent to further increase your speed or increase your turning capacity. And there is absolutely no reason not to use all of it on the first <laughs> turn. And there is, you know, you should use it all on the first turn because it's not like it's ever coming back for the rest of the game. There I, are... I got some more coal back. You did, you it managed It was too it. late, but I did get more coal back. Also, you didn't give me that coal That's when I needed true. it. There are a couple of opportunities to get coal across the board, like the Black Rose ship has infinite coal, so if you're in last, you can 
get a couple of uh, coal off that ship. And there's one coal depot somewhere in the deck <laughs> of yeah. new spaces that you can also refill from. But Ava spent all of her coal straight away and then was saying, Tom, please, just chuck me one <laughs> lump of coal. And I was playing very conservatively, very slowly, like, no, I want to hold on to it. And this is while Quinns and Matt are conspiring to, like, branch off the catch-up mechanic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that... We realised if we were in last place for long enough, we could both get all the coal from the Black Rose and then just drive it in just, like, down a gully or something. Uh, it's hilarious. Every single turn, it rotating further and further away from the intended destination. <laughs> But I still reckon I would have, if I'd accepted slowing down with that driftwood, I still reckon I would have actually been in with a shot there. You might so have done okay. Like, I do genuinely believe my mistake was not using all of my coal on the first turn. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously a terrible idea, but I was like, no, it's fine. I'll be in first. I'm just going to commit to this. I reckon it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there'll be a cold upper at the right time. Yeah. And then it did not pay off, but it could have. <laughs> And I was and too you would have scared. Been I could have, I yeah. could have used a load of driftwood to slow me down, and instead I had to make a turn into a dead end, which led to me crashing and losing. And I nearly caught up. I nearly. nearly caught up. It was actually a, pr- a pretty close run thing in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was surprising, yeah. and right, right at the end as well. I didn't realise that you did have to slow down to one to stopping speed when you had to get to the dock. The dock at the end. You (laughs) thought you could just plough into it at 40 knots. (laughs) Which ended up in this hilarious situation where I almost slowed down and then sort of drifted into port. And I went like, (laughs) Because none of us uh, sort of grew up watching footage of steamboats, we basically treated them as like Tokyo Drift cars. Which is, like we were saying that this game would not be as good with any other theme. The reason it is hilarious is because when you're going at full speed in a giant clunky steamboat <laughs> and then like power sliding it into a port <laughs> and going get in to one of the passengers, it's just delightful. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of delightful stuff. In the, I mean, from the, the, the passengers you pick up are like sort of women in great ball gowns with parasols which are very cute the boats are cute and we haven't mentioned that the colon speed dials are little things you slot into where the paddle wheels would go yeah, so yeah, you yeah. thumb them backwards and forwards um, and also just my favourite being the person in first place reveals the river gradually so it which makes no sense because it's the Mississippi <laughs> and you're in a race which presume, and you're driving a boat with like a crew of dozens <laughs> but then you're, you know you might be in first place you're coming up to the corner or what, no, you're coming up to the end of the race and it's like, oh, let's see what the new tile is. Oh, it's a left turn and you're on the right. And then every other player in the game cheers <laughs> because you've got, oh no, there's no more river. It's the bank, no! <laughs> it's why I kind of like this, I like your the headcanon of the like people who have had a really heavy night the night before and just forgotten how the Mississippi works. <laughs> but I've also made some kind of agreement that whenever they see a turn up ahead, they know they that everyone, everyone else is just know. waiting. It's, like, it's a left! It's a left! <laughs> uh, it's got lovely board presence as well, because by the time you put all the 11 sort of race tiles, if you imagine um, uh, uh, Quest for Eldorado, mm. um, a superb race game um, by Ranaknitzia, deck building game, um, that game, uh, you, it, it curves across the table, but then with this, it's more organic. You get this big, beautiful snaking root. It's lovely if, you're, if your table can fit the whole Yeah, thing. I was going to say it has a spiteful table presence <laughs> yeah. as it spiders outwards across. Like, we're blessed with having a very large table here. But and I think in most circumstances, you're going to be able to remove the back of the river to kind of give you sure. space on your board. Yeah, yeah. Some of it's going to be going, but you're going to have to be doing some shifting around and moving. And even with that, it's a big it's a big it's a big it's a big thing um we probably sound really positive on this that like i would either of you buy mississippi queen 
I think I would because I think there is. I think that I think that we are more enthusiastic about it than the game necessarily deserves. No, I, partly I think because of Root's maneuver, Mister Maneuver himself, <laughs> and partly because we were we were just we just needed a big silly. Yeah, thing so we've at been that moment we've been week, playing right? heavy board games and war games for coming up on two days now, um, and I just took this out. I was like, hey, you know what? There aren't enough race games. I really want to play this yeah. race game. And like you know, like so many race games, it's just such silly fun. I yeah. like you know, Shut Up and Sit Down has always been huge fans of Flam Rouge, the bicycle racing game, and now the Quest for El Dorado. There's a beautiful game of Crossing the Jungle by Ryan Knizia. Um and. I'm kind of looking for more race games to recommend because they are so good. It's like one of the cornerstones of what board games are or should be. And niche board games like we cover, there aren't that many really good no. race games. Yeah. So I wanted this to be just a bit better than it is. For me, it's like a yeah. really good 7 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I love race games. Elevated to an 8 out of 10 by the slightly delirious angle we took on it for the, yeah. exactly. how long we played it. But I think, I think that there's... I think when you get it out at the right time, it's going to land really, really nicely. At the like, right time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think we had the perfect timing for it, mm. so we had a bit of a whale of a time with it. It definitely would not hold up to that in all circumstances. It possibly is helped by someone making an entirely ridiculous decision. Uh, <laughs> Naming if no ev- names. If everyone's playing, I don't know who would do that, Tom. Um, <laughs> Should have given me that. Goal. Yeah, I know, you know what? It was just—it's all my fault. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think playing it as a team game was great. I think it, would, yeah. it landed well for yeah. us. And yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And I would—I'd like to have it in in my armament for the time when you need to play. For when you want to play a race, it's yeah, a good little simple race. Yeah. Maybe it's less evergreen than something like. Eldorado or Flamme Rouge but when yeah when it hits it's going to hit and, and I but think also you could teach it to absolutely anyone yes. it, there's no there's no complicated to it there's no complicated, there's no complicated to it, to it. <laughs> you're right though there's no complicated to there's it no complicated. although it's kind of yeah I, I, I would like a bit more complicated to it because we played with basically all of the advanced rules okay. except for sandbars yeah, in our yeah. first game and I would, for, for niche board gamers like us, I would be like, well, what's next? It's like, no, you did all the next already. I took us to the <laughs> highest level of, well, it could be harder, but not much harder. Not much harder. Yeah, 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 not yeah. much harder. I want to go back to playing more games. We, I'm done with podcasting. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've podcasted now. We've done it. We've done our work. Feed us more games. We've got so many good ones on the docket ready to go. We do. Well, we, gonna, we probably shouldn't tease them yet. We should. No, we no, shouldn't. We should keep it silent. Are you? Ex- what are we going to play tonight? Are we going to be? I don't know. We haven't decided. We haven't, yet. We, haven't, we haven't decided yet. We did play. We should say that we have also played. We played Inish with the expansion last night as well, which is delightful. Mm. Maybe we'll talk more about that soon because it was great and just good fun. And I think we should probably flag to our audience that we actually played the first night we got here. We yep. leapt in. To the new expansion, which is called Prophecy of Kings for Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition. Wicked, Delight Imperium. Delight. No, Twilight Delight. Twilight Delight. That's so much better. Uh, But um, believe it or not, dear listener, uh, with Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition being a game we all love, um, Prophecy. It's right in front of me. I can see the box. Prophecy of Kings expansion. Two things you should know about it. First off, it's what like eighty or ninety pounds. I think it's seventy. Okay, seventy pounds. Second thing, out of all four of us. None of us liked it. I I would note to that that I think we had the opposite problem with Mrs. Bequeen and I think that we played it at the wrong time and in the wrong mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but take yeah. the opinions with a pinch of salt because we're probably going to give it more coverage yes, down the line. Exactly. But 
it is also one that we on our first impressions were not great. No. Yeah. So what we will say, listener, if you're if you're an owner of Twilight Imperium and you're looking at the prophecy of King's expansion, because why wouldn't you want to make a big game even bigger and more exciting? <laughs> Maybe just wait for our uh, video coverage if. Uh, you can bear to do that. Right, I'm, I'm done with this, you two. I'm yeah. done. I wanna, I wanna knock this microphone to one side and get back to playing board games. Let's do it. Thank you very much for listening, everyone at home. And we will see you again, physically, over the internet, shortly. That didn't you, make any You nailed I, that. I had that. That was a home run and I missed. It was a home run and I missed. <laughs> <laughs>